Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the doctor as he's throwing away his lives, as he travels the <laughs> vortex and arrive at episode 432. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Good. How are you? Tired. Tired? Tired. Did you guys watch anything this week? We are halfway through Good Omens. And that's wow. about, that's about trucking. it. I watched the first episode. There's only six episodes. Yeah. So well, we're not really trucking. We've watched one a night since three. it came yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> we uh we watched the first episode i've been i we actually watched it sunday because i'd been putting because i think it dropped on thursday and i've been putting off yeah i've been putting it off because i've been i'm reading the book and i was oh just, me too i was just finishing up the book this week and i'm two chapters away or actually the other day i was like four chapters away from the end and i thought i could surely safely watch the first episode Without spoiling anything. Dun, dun, dun. I was wrong. No, no. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm quite surprised how true to the book the first episode st- stayed. So so far, the, I'm halfway through the book. I think I'm, I'm at page like 200. Well, you started before I did. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> I own the book. It's a good book. It's funny. It's sitting over there. Funny, funny I'm book. enjoying the book so far. It's yeah. going to be read at some point. See anything else? I didn't. We went and saw uh, Kong, not Kong. Uh, <laughs> wrong monster. Wrong monster. Godzilla. What'd you think? I liked it. I, I, <laughs> I, I've seen, I don't understand the complainers. I've seen two complainers, and the first ones are going, uh, there, there wasn't enough, you know, character development for the humans in this movie, and I just want to shake them and scream. Have you ever been to a Godzilla film? I bet they were the same ones that complained that there was too much humans in the last one. That's the other group that's complaining, and and I I, I can't. There were too much humans in this one. I I can almost see that there is far more human plot in this movie than I was expecting. Um, I heard it's hard. There's hardly any. <laughs> but uh, it, it it you know, let them fight. It's it's monster beatdown. Right? That's what I went to go see, and that's what I got. So I was pretty happy with it. It was just fun. And stay through the credits because yeah. there's. Uh, I've kind of figured after since Skull, Skull, Kong Skull Island that they're going to do the after credit stuff from here on out, or from then on out. I watched uh, Godzilla 2014 last night, uh, not for the first time, for the second time, but um, and thoroughly enjoyed it much more than the first time I watched it. Now I, I liked it the first time, don't get me wrong, but I just watching it again last night, I really I th- got more out of it. I think yeah. I, I was able yeah. to pay closer attention to plot points and things like that and, and what was going on. I, I felt pretty lost the first time I watched it, and so this time really was a lot clearer. Watch anything else? Um, no, that was... I mean, well, yes, but no, that was pretty much I the only one worth reporting on. finally got around to watching Venom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun movie. Really? <laughs> Good. It was a fun movie. I thought it got a little too... <laughs> it got a little too silly for its own good. But I think you guys put me in the right mindset when one of you said Tom Hardy <laughs> seemed to be the only one that was taking the movie for what it was, that, it, that, that, that who wasn't taking himself too seriously, that got into the role the way that he should have gotten the role. Tom Hardy was the only one who was aware he was making a comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, th- I just, I, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It's, it's not a great movie. No. It's not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, it made me excited for a sequel, and it made me excited for them to figure out a way to get Venom more embedded in the Spider-Verse. So, <laughs> Anything else? The best line, jump Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought that they carried the maybe the symbiote <laughs> a little too far with some of the dialogue, but it was, it was fun. Um, let's move on to news. Well, the BBC shop... Uh, supposedly, I haven't been able to look into this too deeply. Um, according to DoctorWhoNews.net, the BBC shop is going to make some Classic Who DVDs available to the U.S. on a made-on-demand format for uh-huh. some re-releases. So the first batch of the Time Meddler, the Crotons, the Three Doctors Special Edition... Planet of the Spiders and the Sunmakers are going to be released on June 25th. 
The next batch will come out on July 9th and will include The Invasion of Time, Frontios, Mark of the Ronnie, Happiness Patrol, and the TV movie, the special edition. You can pre-order them now. These are... Are they with the U.S. packaging or is it different packaging? it's all U.S. It's basically the original releases that came out they're remaking. You know what that tells me? That that tells me either A, the Blu-ray for those particular seasons is planned way down the line Mm -hmm. and they want to keep fans happy or B, they maybe aren't doing as well with the Blu-ray and don't and think that maybe they won't do some Hartnell and some other series on Blu-ray or, and this is my most likely scenario is that they are trying to get a handle on the absorbent amount of uh, pricing, price gouging that's happening on new and used copies of DVDs of the U S because you don't find that in Europe in Europe. You can pretty much find everything that you need used in a pretty legitimate price range. But here in the U.S., when you're trying to get a hold of some of these DVDs, they're just astronomically priced because they're so rare now. And, Curse of Fenric. Yeah, I think that they. I think that's what they're doing. Is uh, p- presumably is that they're trying to get a handle on the market so that fans can get a hold of some of these discs they may have missed. Well, and for the most part, I mean, Planet of the Spiders is twenty five. As so is the three doctors. How much is Time Meddler? Uh, twenty. That's how much. That's what I need. And the movie is twenty five, and the Invasion of Time. The rest is twenty. There's only two in that batch that I need. So, woot. Yeah. So now you can pre-order them. Well, that's what I'm gonna do. There's unfortunately none in that list that I need, but <laughs> <laughs> I need Time Meddler, and unfortunately I missed the Three Doctors when it was out. That's special edition. This is a special edition. Okay. Yeah. That's probably what I would have picked up anyway. Cool. I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's some pretty exciting news. I'll be able to affordably buy (laughs) some of the discs that I'm missing. (laughs) I hope they keep doing that, you know, until everything that I need is (laughs) there. Yeah, especially some of the ones that have been out of print for a really long time. It'd be nice to bring some of those back. Yeah, yeah. So you might want to go pre-order if it's supposedly on a made-to-order basis. I'm not sure how they're how they're doing that okay. well made to order if it's anything like um like warner brothers has a uh, a dvd on demand store and it got to the point where basically because warner through the years um, has just absorbed several different studios um after ted turner bought mgm and had access to all of the MGM catalog, and then MGM and Universe or uh, uh, UA had merged at one point, and then Warner brought them. And so, they, I mean, they've got their own catalog. They've been around for seventy some odd years, and then all these other studios on top of that. There's so much in their back catalog that they couldn't possibly release all of it on DVD, even if they wanted to. Mass, mass, to, to, to mass market. I mean, you just you, you would need a shopping mall sized location just to house the, the shelving units necessary. So they unveiled this video on demand where a lot of their stuff is available. Where you just go, you look it up on their store and go, Hey, I would like a copy of, say, Time After Time, and uh, they'll print one for you. They actually go and they run off a DVD copy. And package it and send it out to you, and it costs you about twenty bucks. And so, a lot of the studios have started to kind of move into that model. Because it's of, cheaper to make them one at a time. Than yeah, video on demand because you know them. they're still going to charge you the same price as if it was available retail, but they don't have to put out a whole production line of them. And Doctor Who, I think, definitely kind of fits into that niche market. Yeah. Of, well, and it 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 cuts the middleman out too, so they don't have to pay. They don't have to mark up on a retailer, and you know they they're not losing that money on that either. So. Mm-hmm. Or they can mark up on the retailer, I suppose. Is the difference because they sell them to the retailer at a lower price, so that the retailer can then make a profit off of them, selling it to the consumer. Now, BBC or Warner Brothers makes that full profit off of it so right exciting stuff promising news yeah anything else that's it all right well should we move on to feedback yes 
Our feedback this week comes from Jameson. Jamie. <laughs> Jameson Jamie writes. <laughs> episodes 101 through 105. So yeah, congratulations on 425 plus episodes. And yes, after hearing about Disney, Star Wars, Star Trek, Muppets, Gutters, light bulbs, <laughs> garage sales, the intricacies of Sean DVD collection, etc., Live Long and Prosper is entirely acceptable. Especially when you break mid-sentence for the Muppet News Flash music. Moving on. Episode 101 and Season 3 of the Sarah Jane Adventures. Again, not much to comment on since I haven't watched them. However, I do have some comments on Mona Lisa. First, of course, Leonardo ran out of paint. He was painting seven in rapid succession. Human Mona Lisa doesn't look right because she's a fake. <laughs> also, the Titan Comics 8th Doctor miniseries has a similar thing in Josie Day and the anime particles. I think that's what they were called. So it's not quite as outlandish as it first seems. As far as the Slitheen go, they're not my favorite villain by a long ways, but they're not the worst. Absorbalov, Max from The Long Game, Fear Her, Cavemen, The Vervoids, Creature from the Pit, etc. I'm glad they haven't reappeared in Who Proper. And with Sarah Jane, it is a kid show after all, and the Slitheen come across as very juvenile, so take it as it is. On a side note, when discussing the snowmen, which I'll discuss in detail later in this feedback, the nanobot snowmen is an interesting idea. As you know, Ian McKellen was just voice, no motion capture, and Richard E. Grant, who is apparently going to star in Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker in some undisclosed role, did all the heavy lifting. I'm curious, and I'll probably get there, but did any of you expect or deduce the return of the Great Intelligence? Nope. Nope. That was mm -mm. quite a shock. Episode 102. Has Doctor Who appeared... I apologize, I just had a message come in that covered up his feedback. Out of the way. <laughs> Stupid phone. Episode 102. Has Doctor Who appeared on the covers of popular magazines like TV Guide or EW since 2012? I don't follow those kinds of things, so I'm a little curious. I don't know. I don't follow those kind of things either. I don't know I'm either. I'm sure they probably have. I think they did with Jody's return. Or with Jody's announcement and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. The Invisible Enemy. I wasn't overly thrilled with this one. I know. I'm sorry, Sean. <laughs> Jameson, we're, we're going to have a fight later. K-9 was fine. Leela and the Doctor were good. Maybe it's the fantastic voyage spin that I didn't care for. The same reason I'm not a huge fan of Into the Dalek. The idea of the swarm is fine. I don't really mind that. I just didn't care for it. On a side note, Big Finish did a sequel prequel to this in Revenge of the Swarm with Seven Ace and Hex. You'll get there eventually. John Leeson does return as the voice of the swarm, so there is that. It was okay. The part of the Hex arc that accompanied it wasn't the greatest, but as I said, you'll get there. So the Sunmakers. I enjoyed this one more than I expected. The sliminess of the company men is glorious, as is the gatherer Hades no-towing to the collector, and all the synonyms of your highness. Yes, it's essentially an anti-taxes story, but it's still fun. The Doctor is really good here, as are Leland Canine. It's just a fun episode. Episode 103 and more novel reviews. I take issue with Sean's comments on the 8th Doctor audio that reveals the Doctor saving companion rooms. The audio he's thinking of is Relative Dimensions, and the issue I have is when Sean says it's part of the 8th Doctor Adventure series without being part of the series proper. Relative Dimensions is part of the series proper. It's release 4.7. The one he's thinking of that's not part of the series proper is An Earthly Child, which reintroduces Susan and introduces Alex. The saving of the companion bedrooms is cool, but I felt the need to issue a correction. Uh, Jamie is right, which, of course, we will cover later this episode. You talked briefly in relation to Dr. Phil's audio about the jarringness of audio doctors aging. Yes, Tom sounds old. It's more noticeable in some scenes than it is in others. For me, because I've been in this watch through for so long, that'll be weird as how young Davison and Colin will sound on TV <laughs> because I'm so used to them on audio. As of today, April 14th, we're a little behind, I have only 12 more episodes, three serials, and I'll have watched all of Tom Baker's Doctor Who, including the VHS version of Shada. It's taken me almost four years, but I'll have that milestone under my belt. So I haven't read Apollo 23. It sounds like a good read, though. Nice to hear that Sean finally found something he liked. Granted, <laughs> he did like Only Human. The one thing that strikes me about this is the short change of... 
is that short of a location change in the absence of the master, you essentially have a retelling of the mind of evil. Not that that's a bad thing. But tell me I'm wrong, please. Listening, it sounds like a cross between Mind of Evil and Ambassadors of Death with Eleven and Amy. Hmm. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Of course, I don't think I'd seen both of those at the time I I don't think we'd gotten to either of those, actually, at the time that we reviewed that one, but maybe not. Keith, you are absolutely right. Touched by an Angel is amazing. It was one of the first Doctor Who novels I read, and I go back and reread it every once in a while. It's just that good. I didn't really have any issues with it. Granted, Eleven isn't my favorite Doctor, and I wasn't as steeped in the lore as when I first read it, and I haven't watched any Eleven in ages, so my most recent reading wouldn't have caught the things that you caught. The Angels translate to audio surprisingly well, at least depending on the author. Fallen Angels, disc one of classic Doctor's new monsters, is a masterpiece. The sight of the Angels, from Doom Coalition, I don't remember well enough, plus it had a lot going on besides them. Episode 104, The Master Archive. I enjoyed both of these stories. On Brenda's feedback and Sean's comments on Touched by an Angel, I do find that the new series novels are more simplistic, quicker reads that tend to zip by. Meanwhile, the classic series and Wilderness Years series, like The Eighth Doctor and Virgin New Adventures, are slower reads that are a little harder to get through. Oh, there's some excellent ones in there, but on the whole, the novels featuring classic Doctors take longer to read than novels featuring the new series Doctors. The Time Monster I've seen reviewers who don't seem to care for this one. I, on the other hand, find it an enjoyable story featuring Delgado at some of his best. Pertwee does quite well on this one. The Brig and Unit get things to do. Joe does well. It's just an all-around fun story. I really enjoy Benton. For some reason, I never warmed to Yates, even before his betrayal. Benton is just an all-around fun character. Dust Breeding It's the return-slash-debut of the Master to Audio, and it's a critique of art and artists of the type of social commentary that Doctor Who seems to do so well. It's a good sci-fi story. The Doctor and Ace do a good job, and the guest cast is ridiculously over the top. The two high-caliber guest actors are exceedingly good. Jeffrey Jeffrey Beavers is great as the Master, and a forgotten incarnation, having appeared on TV only in Keeper of Trocken, is oft ignored because he's sandwiched between Delgado and Ainley, two powerhouses for the character. For those who love Liz Shaw, Carolyn John is unrecognizable. This husband and wife team certainly steal the show. Bev Tarrant is okay, and the rest of the cast does fine. The Krill first appeared in the novel Storm Harvest, which I have read, although I barely remember it. An enjoyable story, not a major favorite, but not a stinker either. Beavers goes on to bigger and better stories, Master being a personal favorite of mine. Episode 105, The Snowman. I enjoyed this one. I'm a rare fan who could care less about the Paternoster gang. I don't mind Vastra. Jenny's just kind of meh. And Strax is too over-the-top and silly. We need the return of the Sontarans, and we need them to be a credible threat again. Big Finish has done it somewhat, but apart from a semi-major appearance in Time of the Doctor, and apparently an appearance in Face the Raven that I don't remember, the only Sontaran we've seen since 2010 has been Strax. Chibnall, if you're listening, slap 13 and friends down in the middle of the Sontaran-Ruton War next season, please. But I digress. I'd second that. Yeah. I like to see it. I enjoyed Clara in this story. As I said before, the Clara arc with Eleven is fine and enjoyable. I enjoyed the villain. 44 years between television appearances is impressive. Ian McKellen was good, as was Richard E. Grant. I thought the return of the great intelligence was well handled, as was Clara's sacrifice. I was surprised in the feedback section when Jessica accurately predicted name of the Doctor, although I think she used the term clones. I was shocked, (laughs) considering that thus far in your podcast, you guys have spouted wild speculation that doesn't usually come true, (laughs) or is only partially correct. Remember, I'm looking back on these with hindsight, having watched ahead from the show's perspective. I will give, I think it was Glenn, props, though, for predicting River as the impossible astronaut. Again, I was pleased that you were able to predict the return of the Great Intelligence for Series 7B, even though Ian McKellen didn't return. As for Chrissy's theories on Clara... Inventive and imaginative, but not what ended up being. Oh, and congratulations to Keith on achieving amateur status. Yes, I realize this is late, and you've probably ranked up at least once in the last six years. At least I hope you have. What was your next rank? I can just see it going newbie, novice, amateur, padawan, apprentice, etc. 
I don't think we ever thought it through that thoroughly. <laughs> I think we'll have to um, we'll have to crown you Padawan today. Then. <laughs> I think I'm beyond Padawan though. And I'm sorry, <laughs> we've got to go in order, Keith. <laughs> I can level up twice, right? <laughs> I'd like to congratulate uh, Jameson for uh, predicting the next several levels of uh, <laughs> <laughs> Keith's journey. <laughs> How many doctors have you guys met? I know at least Sean's met McGann, all of you have met McCoy, and I think all of you have met Davison. Hardinal, Trout, and Pertwee are impossible. Have any of you met either of the Bakers or any new series doctors? Keith's met, we've met Colin. Matt Smith. I've met Matt Smith. But not David Tennant yet. Not David Tennant. Uh, we met Colin Baker. And, we've all met Colin. Uh, Wichita, Time Eddie. Uh, we met, yeah, Davison, and we met um, McCoy a couple times. Um, and yeah, then you've met McGann. Yes, That's we, it, I believe. Yeah, we've all met five, six, and seven. Yeah, no Capaldi, no... Nobody's met four, which is going to be very, very difficult yeah, because he doesn't, he doesn't uh, travel. He travels, he doesn't fly. Yeah, well, yeah he doesn't fly. <laughs> oh, I, I Although correct. we do all have autographs from him because Sean was a very wise man and sent them off to him, so... <laughs> and then... Um, yeah, new series is kind of hit or miss at this point. Yeah, so. I'm, I've met some of the companions from the new series, but none of the uh, none of the actual doctors. Also, have any of you seen the AMPM commercials with Tumgees? Tumgees? I think he looks like a relative of the Candyman from Happiness Patrol. <laughs> I don't even know what this is. So isn't, isn't, that the, isn't that the uh, oh UK that thing is horrifying? <laughs> <laughs> Turn it around here. Hold on, let me get a picture big. <laughs> Once again, we're doing our best War of the Worlds impression. I wish you folks could see this at home. Oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is that? This looks like he's made out of food. Like, he's, I, what's he? He's got a cheeseburger for, for a nose. AM, PM commercials. AM, PM. We don't get that in our area, I guess. At least I don't watch TV. I don't he's know. He's got cookies for cheeks, a hot dog for a mouth. His body is made of donuts all right <laughs> that's disturbing it's more horrifying than the candy man yeah it is that's all for now for me nearly three weeks have passed between episode 100 and sending this in for you there's been no gap well yeah there has uh <laughs> still keep up the great work looking forward to the next 100 episodes of backlog <laughs> keep it up jamie <laughs> hopefully it won't be that much jamie but i think somewhere along the line we did do the math so yeah. thank you jamie thanks jamie and if you would like to send feedback in like Jamie Keith, where can they do that? They can send it directly to feedback at com, or if you're on our website, there's a nice little tab that says send us feedback. Just fill that out and we will get your email. While they're on our website and they want to support us financially, Sean, how do you do that? Well, they can uh, click the little Patreon button there or they can go to our uh, Patreon page directly and um, fill out a little form and... Uh, Give us your information, and uh, then give us some money. It really sounds much more complicated than it is. But uh, any amount is welcome. Uh, it can be a one-time donation. It can be a recurring donation. And we very much appreciate the people who are currently uh, on our Patreon page and uh, support us, as well as those who would be interested in becoming patrons, because it is your funds that keep us, literally, um, being able to do this by paying for server space, etc., all right, well, let's move on to our review. Death. Reviews. Reviews. Death in Blackpool. Lucy Miller always loved Christmas back black, back, back home in Blackpool. Her mom running a still-frozen turkey under the hot tap at 10. Great-grandma Miller half cut on cooking sherry by 11. Her dad and her uncle arguing hammer and tongs about who was the best James Bond all through dinner. And in the afternoon, Auntie Pat, herring up to the house in the, on the back of a moped weighed down with a ridiculous presence. Christmas 2009 didn't turn out like that. Christmas 2009, the doctor turned up. Bum, bum, bum. That really gives no indication of what this story <laughs> is about. It's a lovely, lovely Say ridiculous presence or a ridiculous amount of presence. This is with ridiculous presence. With ridiculous presence, okay. 
I imagine Auntie Pant was the type that showed up with the, uh, uh, the, the, the jumpers that had the candy pouch in them. Do you remember those? They, they, like, they, they literally had pictures of gumball machines on them, and then there was a pouch that was sewn on the inside so that you could put money in the top part of the pouch, and then you would lift a little flap and a gumball would come out the bottom of the pouch, but it was a sweater. No idea. <laughs> Nobody remembers that. those? They were horrifying. Right. I, I totally think that's an anti-pat it's present. It's not that I've forgotten those. It's that I've never, ever even seen those. And I was just yeah. Look it up. It was a thing. Yeah. Yeah, Auntie Pat would have given you one of those. <laughs> this was okay. It was kind of a downer. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it's a downer purposefully, so yeah, uh, I'll yeah. give it that, but it just, I don't know. I think maybe my problem with it was I was a little tarnished because it's a Christmas story, but I'm listening to it in June. I thought Christmas um, is good anytime, Glenn. No, Christmas is <laughs> Not never until July. good until <laughs> September. <laughs> September, I'm getting into the Christmas spirit, not June. June doesn't work. He, Sean's mentioned this before. I don't like Christmas after Christmas. Once oh, Christmas has come and gone, I'm done with Christmas until next September. Um, but uh, no, so I mean, it, it made me long for Christmas a little bit, maybe. <laughs> um, I, I have to apologize when I booted this one because I remembered the story. <laughs> I'd forgotten the setting and when I booted it up and they started with the whole you know drunk Santa Claus and singing carols and I went it's Christmas <laughs> I, I was going what is oh yeah oh Glenn's gonna be so mad at me well, and then I was even... crossing my fingers going maybe he'll just get in the mood early this year and I'll have uh, to suffer it was kind of both when, when I started I was like dang it Sean and then by the end I was like oh, I kind of want Christmas <laughs> didn't uh, we might have had this conversation off mic, but the last Eighth Doctor story we listened to, Sean tried to say, well, it's a Christmas story because it ends at Christmas. No, because it was just pick, setting up he this spo- story. He spoiled it. <laughs> he spoiled it. We didn't even realize it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, you should take anything I say with a grain of salt. I likely don't remember what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's okay. It's one of those things where I wish I were listening to these more frequently because I had had to completely refresh myself about Auntie Pat because it's been so long um, that she had been taken over not taken over she died and so the Zygon replaced himself with her as her um, the other thing that I had a difficulty with was they were going to go they were going to go to Christmas and she was going to have a regular Christmas but then later they're saying well she's already there because she technically hasn't left yet and I kept thinking that's weird that she would decide she's going to go be there <laughs> While her other self is there as yeah, well. Yeah, that was kind but of odd. they do let you know that she realizes that she's not left yet either, so it... Although, I did get the... Didn't... Wasn't there a drop line from um, Auntie Pat that something pulled them off course and made them land early? Yes. Okay, then that makes sense. That's why. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they were a year early. Um, but there was also a, a line from Auntie Pat about, I guess the the Zynog pulled them off course a year early. Right, okay. And Auntie Pat was detecting their arrival at any point. Yeah. Um, Drunk Santa was completely unnecessary. There's absolutely no reason for that character to be there. The entire first half of the story I find conf- kind of found rather confusing and almost unnecessary. <laughs> Um, the anti-Zygon, uh, good try. It just seemed. It's. A, I think it's a neat idea uh, of this I just Zygon that's been. I think know, they failed with it. Though. The Zygon just, that's tried to, that uh, started taking over other Zygons and has been punished. It goes to some really weird, non-Zygon areas. Yeah, but I, th- the, I think the, the whole the, astral, pro- not astral projection, but the. Forcing himself into her head so that she thinks that she's that aspect was a little was, bit yeah a little I, bit beyond a, a typical Zygon, but the idea that he's trying to find a new form, I think, is, well, I thought was pretty interesting. Um, performances were good. I I did enjoy it. it was It was pretty gut wrenching at the end. Um, and this, I guess, maybe this also wasn't the way that I wanted to see Lucy Miller leave the story. Well, my problem is I'm. 
I have some foreknowledge, knowing that this is the beginning of a season, and I don't really believe this is the end of, in the, of Lucy's story. Well, I don't think it is either, because they announced it. <laughs> What's her name? Uh, 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 Sheridan. Sheridan, Sheridan Smith. Smith. It's, it's reprising her role as Lucy even once again later. So. Yeah, but they also said that those stories were set earlier in the timeline. No, I, that's true. That's true. But, but, no, so, I, I, but knowing, well, this is the, knowing this is the kickoff of season four, it's like, okay, well, and this is not well, her departure. Again, technic- I've seen the covers for oh, wait, some yes, of the it ones is. later. Never mind. I've seen the covers for some of the ones later in the season. And, and knowing one of the episodes later in the season is called Lucy Miller. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I did I just... You cheaters, you. <laughs> this was, it just wasn't the way that I felt like she should have departed from the story, even if it is for a short time. It just right. Seems, I don't know. It was okay. I didn't hate it. It's it's the beginning of a season, and I think it moving her aside, I think, gives them the opportunity to do some different stuff and kind of move in a different direction with the Eighth Doctor Adventure, so I'm excited for that. But, yeah, overall, I just I, I wasn't all that impressed with it. You are both not wrong. Uh, abs- I thought he was going to say, you're both absolutely wrong. <laughs> no, 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 no. This no. is the best, <laughs> best Eighth Doctor story Besides the movie, it, I liked it better than Orvis. <laughs> no, it's um, the I, I agree with Keith. I think the idea of the Zynot, 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 no, what was it called? No, Zynot's too too on point. Uh, what was it? That would have been a much more clever name. <laughs> no, it would have been too on Zynog. point. Zynog, Zynog, yeah, because it's Christmas. <laughs> oh no, because oh, the <laughs> I didn't even think. I mean, think about that. <laughs> I'm going to call it the eggnog. Now. <laughs> the, the, the idea of the Zynog, I think, is is brilliant. I really do because you know, obviously, Zygon society there there are going to be criminals among them, and what would a a, a criminal do? And well, you know, okay, what what's a heinous crime on Earth? Well, we've got rape and murder and this and that. Okay, what's a a, a heinous crime on 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 Zygon, oh, impersonating another Zygon, taking over their body. That's probably the, the as bad as it gets. That's probably the most epic of, uh, you know, of heinous crimes that you could possibly do on that planet is, you know, the ultimate identity theft. However, the fact that he's taking Lucy's identity is where... That's where it didn't work for me, is because we 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 spend so much time with Lucy in the coma and and him trying to lure her out, basically just as a ruse to get to Annie Pat. It's like why why not? If, I mean, the only Zygon we have any experience with in, in this whole run is is Annie Pat. We've come to like her as a character. We've come to respect Hagoth as a uh, as, as a warrior and as a, uh, a, a citizen of Earth now. That he's taken this upon himself to become this new character, this new person, and uh, live out the life that Antipat missed out on. So why not put Antipat in the coma? Why not do it all from her perspective and have it be a battle of the Zygons and the Doctor and Lucy are frantically running around and let Lucy have that emotional not being able to reach Antipat and staying at her bedside and the doctor knows something else is going on. I, I, to me, that would have been a, a, a much there's one, more interesting way of doing there it. There is only one reason why they couldn't do that way. And the only reason, and it's, it's a lame weekly reason because you could get around it, but the only reason they didn't do that way is so that she could hear, overhear them talking about the lie that they've been telling, that they've been holding on to keeping from her this whole time. Because she, she hears that under... While she's in the coma, because she can hear Auntie Pat, not anybody else. So, I think that that's ultimately why they did it that way, so that they could accidentally disclose that information to her. But it, it's a weak reason, but that's why they did it that way. And I think there's a million other ways they could have revealed that lie or otherwise. They, they, I mean, they could have had her accidentally hear it from from somebody else they could have I, the, well, the, the just, disco- I mean, just discovering you know the, the fact that she told her I mean, yeah I mean, although was she gonna believe the eggnog or is she gonna believe her own ears even just if auntie pat is the one in a coma just discovering oh wait this she's not human is enough to well what did you do and confront the doctor and you know there's plenty of ways yeah 
So also the doctor just cold heartedly injecting the eggnog with the <laughs> solution. You have to stop seemed, calling him that. <laughs> seemed very out of character. Right? He's the one that did it, right? I mean, nope. he figured out what Auntie Pat was doing. Did she do the injection then? Yeah, because yes. she knocked the doctor, the doctor out. out. The sedative. Yeah. So she had injected herself. So yes. that when the Zynog had um, infiltrated her, then he would be dying when he... Okay. Right. Yeah. No, that's a little better. Yeah, doctor still He was talking about finding an antidote. <laughs> blameless. Yeah, he was talking about an antidote, but okay, I there wasn't enough time. I didn't follow that, but I, now that makes sense. There was a lot of the story that was just kind of hard to follow. I don't know. That was to me. That was the only part that I felt was hard to follow. Was was that that I got lost in? I had hard. I had a hard time following it up until the car crash. <laughs> once, well, once, once Lucy it, got in a coma, then I was able to follow it's it much because easier. It's, it was just a comedy of errors up until then is the problem. So. Chaos. Yeah, it was very chaotic. I don't know. And we I, had a I, drunk Santa yelling, it's Christmas every five <laughs> seconds. It's Christmas! Uh, I did come to like Santa eventually. Well, he, he becomes a likable guy, but he's still unnecessary. I agree. <laughs> very unnecessary. <laughs> and initially, it's like, oh, God. We th- you know, And even the doctor was like, no, we're not going to give him a lift. <laughs> the TARDIS <laughs> will drive. It's kind of, well, then he gets a job as a porter, which I think is a great thing for him because he'd lost his job as as Santa. But is the alcoholism a symptom of the fact that he lost his job, or is he always an alcoholic? <laughs> and do you really want an alcoholic on the payroll acting as a porter at the hospital? I don't know. I, How many bodies get lost this week? <laughs> There's a. Um, I, I enjoy Sheridan Smith and her, as you said, the performances are great. And so the idea of kind of Lucy being trapped inside her head, okay, that's kind of a cool one, but by the same token... Lucy we, seems to be trapped inside of something outside of her body a lot. Yeah, we, we've <laughs> had that before. In fact, we just had that in The Eight Truths, and it was handled so much better. And Lucy was so much more in command. She 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 had agency. She was in charge. And in this one, she's just wandering around lost. I mean, yeah. admittedly, she thinks she's dead. Yeah. But uh, I don't know how I would handle that if I was in her shoes. So. But she didn't really seem like Lucy Miller. But she didn't seem like no. Lucy Miller. She she was on her back foot through the yeah, whole thing. I agree. And um, so that's another part of it that is it, it, it's difficult. And I, I I applaud them for wanting to go this route and kind of pull the rug out from under us by giving us this fake death scene, especially for a character that started off that we were all, and then really got to appreciate and, and like, and then to hit us with that, I think it, it would have been truly a, you know, emotional gut punch. But it just didn't you know, come across right. For right. me, who's been expecting Lucy Miller to die since last season, <laughs> I at no point that maybe it's because I've been waiting for her to die and she hadn't. But I at no point in this believed that she was dead. At no point did I believe that she was dead or was going to die in this story at all. Even after she got hit and she they couldn't, you know, she she couldn't respond to them and they couldn't respond to her because she was in this coma. I had no doubt that she was going to come out of it somehow. Now, I didn't expect her to leave at the end, which I thought was that that was a bit surprising. But I didn't. Yeah, I don't think I expected her to die, even with doing that, especially doing that that early in the in this particular story. So had it been a season finale, I would have bought into it a little bit more. But knowing that it was the beginning of the season. No, you know what? I would have probably bought into it halfway through a season because that's when you wouldn't suspect that something oh, like that's, that's going to happen because you do expect it at the end of a series and you almost mildly expect it at the beginning of a beginning of a series if they haven't died in the last end of the last <laughs> series so I think maybe that's where, where it was placed I didn't think it was necessarily going to happen it's kind of an anomaly in Doctor Who though because normally it's always a season ending t- 
sort of thing, or maybe in the with middle. With the new series, with yeah. more, and this is since this is trying to mimic the new series more than the classic series. Um, it's very rare that you know a companion would leave at the beginning of a story or at the beginning of a season. Even on the classic series, I don't think that was very common for the yeah. beginning of a season. It's true. I also think it's frustrating that we... Um, Although they've had doctors leave at the beginning true. of seasons. <laughs> One episode in. Yeah. I also think it's frustrating that they, they played the... Uh, what I've come to think of as the supernatural card. Because there are elements of Lucy being dead that are kind of played off as... Okay, she's dead, so there's... You know, where's the light? Where's the, the this, the this? And they they kind of play some fun with that, and you're never really sure, okay, is this just the coma talking? Is there a science element behind that that he's influencing her and allowing her to have this? And then there's the Santa element, because he has some knowledge of some things that he probably shouldn't, and maybe it's lucky guesses because of the booze, but they they kind of kept alluding that maybe he actually is Santa. I thought they were heading but, that direction. I thought they were heading that direction early on, but then they dropped that. Like yeah, a they did. Weight. Yeah, they just backed off of that yeah. altogether. And it's like, well, okay, pick one or the other. If you're going to go that way, you got to give me a reason that you're going that way. If you just kind of hint at it and then drop it, then don't bother. Right. He, he's just an alcoholic mall Santa, you know? I did enjoy Jake. Uh, McGann as Allie. Or no, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> That's the next story. Well, should we move on? Let's to move on story. to the next story. <laughs> An earthly child. Uh, 30 years on from the Daleks' invasion of Earth, the scars still haven't healed. The survivors inhabit the world thrown back 200 years. A world of crop shortages and civil unrest. A world where the brightest and best of its young people are drawn up to the xenophobic Earth United group. A world sliding into a new dark age, believes Susan Campbell, widow of one of the heroes of the occupation. A world in need of alien intervention. A world in need of hope. But as Susan takes drastic action to secure the planet's future, she's oblivious to the fact that her student son Alex, ensnared by Earth United, is in need of alien intervention too. Or so Alex's great-grandfather thinks. This is the one that gets a bump, bump, bum. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Yeah, it was good. It's kind of middle of the road. The the plot is middle of the road. Yeah. The, was, the bump, bump, bum is for the character development yeah, and the performance. It was, yeah, it was and reuniting Susan with the doctor. It was exciting to get Susan back, reuniting her with the doctor, being introduced to his great-great-grandson. Great, um, I think it's just two greats. Great, one great. Great-great-grandson. Great-grandson. Great-grandson. Yeah. Great-grandson. Great She's grandfather. So. Right. Well, she's granddaughter. Um, but not great-granddaughter. <laughs> so, yeah. I, 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 I thought it was really exciting listening to, you know, what's happened to Earth in the time since the invasion. Was it exciting or was I it thought just it was, interesting? Okay, interesting. Okay. Fascinating. The xenophobia that's taken over the world. That was, that was cool. I like that concept. And it's not one that you normally get. And throwing I mean, it back into the Dark Ages. We, you know? we tend to usually think that once the Doctor has come and, you know, instigated a rebellion that throws off the yoke of oppression of some space-faring monstrosity, that, okay, good luck to you, you're going to rebuild. And then he flies off and they rebuild. And to come back to that and on Earth of all places and find that, no, not only did that not happen, we're sliding further and further back into the Dark Ages, that they're xenophobic, that they're science-phobic, that they're this, 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 and this... And uh, they were Luddites. Yeah. I mean, it's just, wow. Well, how infrequently do we come back to those sort of situations? Yeah, that's not very I, That's one of the part of what I really enjoyed about it is it's revisiting, you know, the consequences of what has happened. And, yes, the doctor helped free them from the Daleks, but what happened to them after the fact? And we so rarely get to revisit any of these places and find out have they recovered or have they started slipping into a dark age? That was just fascinating to me the entire time. I think the thing that I struggled most with, though, is for a character that got so short-shifted shifted, um, back in the day, Susan, you know, starting out as being something that 
they intended and then ended up making her damsel in distress, Big Finish so could have picked up the torch and said, okay, we're going to give her some heroic moments, some big, you know, uh, some big bold things to do with this character. And she was damsel in distress the whole story. Yeah, it was nice to have the reunion. It was nice to have... But she's just, she's, you know, she's certainly vocal about we can't slip back. But then she's, when she decides to do something, she screws up and reaches out to, you know, some menace, menacing force. So I just, I, 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 I don't know. I, I felt like I wanted a little more heroism from, from her, especially how she was treated in the classic series. I think she did have some of that. I, I don't think she can be at fault for, you know, the first alien species that contacts her are a menacing threat i mean no no she can't be but that's not within her control it, but it's within the writer's control to, well yes uh, that's that was my problem but then the, the writer no otherwise way. well i think you could add drama i think you could have had somebody else be the one that making contact well not even that but yeah with maybe some of her encouragement but i would like to have her to have seen the threat sooner She's a, a smart, intelligent woman now who had de- you know, dealt with rebuilding society with her husband, David, after the Daleks attack. She's from the doctor's stock, so she's. I would hope she has some sort of that ability in her. Yeah. She's Gallifreyan. Whether she's a time lord or, or time lady, however you want to refer to this. And that's a, maybe that's another topic that we're going to have to bring up at some point in time is whether or not the Time Lords are the actual race or the Time Lords are the people who live up on the hill. <laughs> All the impressions I've gotten is that it's the people who live up on the hill. But but regardless... inside the Citadel. Re- regardless, right. she is uh, certainly Gallifreyan and probably educated at some point in the Citadel. And she's traveled with the Doctor and she's of his stock. And there's all these reasons that, you know, and she's traveled. Well... She should have known that this creepy voice on the radio was <laughs> was creepy voice on the radio. Yeah, look how right. gifted she is in high school that Ian and Barbara notice. I mean, she's she's obviously a very intelligent woman. She does some intelligent things even in the classic series, but just this, I don't know. That she just was too much of the helpless victim in this for me. I did the, like the one thing that I felt like they completely did wrong with this story, bringing her back. I do like the action she went into to once Alex was in danger that she didn't sit back and let the doctor just go off and save him that she went along to mm-hmm. they could have easily just sidelined her completely through that entire action sequence yeah but then it relegates her to mom you know what I mean it just mm. of course she's going to do that because it's her son so I don't know I just I, I, I wish I just wish they could have done better with it for all the things you guys mentioned, it was good. It was it was nice to see the reunion. It was ni- the performances are really good. Again, and as I was saying before, before I launched it, before I actually got to the episode, I got ahead of myself. Jake McGann was was great. I thought he did a, a tremendous job as Alex, um, which I think is very cool that he's playing the Doctor's great grandson, <laughs> and he's actually the son of Paul McGann. A um, little bit of uh, Doctor's daughter there going on. Um, but it just, yeah, it just, it was, it was an okay story for being a bonus episode and us, maybe it's because the anticipation has been so long. It's been so long getting to hear me knowing that there's this reunion episode out there and, and, and maybe my expectations and anticipation was set just a little too high, high for it. But, um, no, it was good. You guys should point out more of the good things. That's why you shouldn't read ahead. Just really bringing it down. Well, I, know, I mean, I wasn't reading ahead. I I knew that this episode was out there. You can't help it when you've got you know big finish subscriptions or you know stuffs coming down the pipe or things are being advertised. There's there's no avoiding it. It's not like I went in and actively found out what the story was going to be about. I see the covers of these things all the time. You can't avoid them. No, I um the the reunion in and of itself. I uh, th- these are two actors that go ahead. I'm just I, I you're probably going to get arrive on this, but I am so grateful of Big Finish for acknowledging the moment in the Five Doctors because it's yes. not. Yeah. Do you remember the time? You know, how's it been since, or what have you been doing since 
you left me here on earth it was what have you been doing since that time uh we were in the black tower and i was like oh wow the last time i saw you there were five of you yeah. or something yeah. yeah yeah no i these are two actors who are very very intimately connected to their characters and so to have them come back and know them so well and the relationship that they have but yet not these two characters to each other I mean, Susan obviously is a, a very known quantity to um, why am I blanking on her name now Caroline Ford Caroline Ford thank you and Paul McGann obviously knows the eighth doctor inside and out and we know Susan's relationship to the doctor in regards to the first doctor but they're all grandfather right but then to see them come together in these two and how you don't really necessarily realize how paternal the eighth doctor is until you put these two in a room together and it, it just it's warm fuzzies from the moment they start talking to each other and realize you know she realizes who he is it, it it's just it really is just a magical scene and I and like the slow the fact, reveal to it too. Yeah, the fact that we don't just dive in right away—that we build to this reunion, and the hints that oh wait, well I thought I saw you in the audience and all this stuff of just slowly building there was just delightful. The amazing thing about the chemistry being so well and so well performed in those scenes is, did any of you guys listen to the interview afterwards? Mm-mm. Paul McGann had no idea that he that that Susan existed in the series he had no idea that the doctor had a granddaughter he had no idea that any of this was he had no idea that carol ann ford was literally reprising her own role as susan from the series really he had no idea which i just blew me away how disconnected, i had a hard time believing how that. <laughs> disconnected from the series he actually is maybe just the early series though i mean it must be the early 60s that he was probably. probably i don't know that was the impression i got He's at least aware. He was more aware of it when he was cast, I'm sure. Yeah, you're going to remember this was recorded, what, eight years ago? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what that, he says. That's, that's really that's what he says. That, and that it, he came, it came across genuine to me. I don't think he was lying. No, I don't. Why would he lie? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, that's even more impressive then, that the chemistry comes through that way. Because they have it. Um, I also like the fact that uh, while initially I wasn't sure about Alex as a character, because I wanted to like him, obviously, you know, he's stock, he's the grandson. He does such questionable things, and, and he's so easily led astray, and, you know, oh, you want an alien? Ta-da! And, you know, turning people in. But yet, it, well, it's very easy to see why. I mean, yeah, he's kind right. of the rebellious he teenager. He does where he's from where his roots are right he, he is the rebellious teenager he is easily he's at that age where he's easily influenced too and it's easy when you've got a, a, a large group of people that are you know spouting these anti-alien things to fall into that as a young impressionable youth now maybe it's just me um when i first listened to this i listened to it in the order that we did it i, I listened to it right after um Death in Blackpool. And that's not necessarily where it falls in the production order or even in the release schedule for Big Finish. It just happens to be this is a bonus release that came out and it features the Eighth Doctor. And when I listened to it, it just happened to work that I think it fits here. (laughs) And on second listen through, I'm even more convinced of that because coming off of Death in Blackpool where... Lucy has left him and we've had this whole episode dealing with family and Lucy's connections to her family and how important that was to her and Auntie Pat and her connections to Lucy and family and how important that was to her and the doctor seeing all of this and experiencing all of this in my mind, in my personal headcanon, he is now left and he's alone and he's dwelling on that thinking... I should go visit Susan. And it just, in my mind, it just it naturally led right into well, I, this. I think Big Fish Finish um, indirectly qualifies your suspicions because, on, at least on my copy of um, Death in Blackpool, I had a trailer for an unearthly child. Or an earthly child. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. So, yeah. 
Well, so, serendipity strikes yeah. again. So, uh, <laughs> whenever I downloaded that from Big Finish, that was how they had intended for it to be right. released. So, well, and you're not the only one. Uh, Tetrap, the discontinuity guide, lists Death in Blackpool, An Earthly Child, and then whatever the next Eighth Doctor main uh, series four adventure. Huh. Well, good. I'm glad the fandom agrees with me because. <laughs> Because it's not, I mean, production number-wise and everything. There isn't it, really. There isn't one, and it's... Well, you can't because it was a bonus feature yeah. for the main read series. So. Yeah, season 4-1-A. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it just, that's kind of where my brain slotted it in there and went, yeah, this is why he's there. He's, 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 he's lonely. He's needing that connection. And I like the fact, too, that you mentioned the, the kind of delay in going to talk to her that I think... He's a little hesitant still because, mm-hmm. you know, he did what was right for her and he knew it was time for her to, you know, be pushed out of the nest. <laughs> but yet he essentially did abandon her on earth, <laughs> this war torn. To pick up the pieces and uh, yeah. I do devastated like that, land. I do like that she doesn't, unlike Sarah Jane in uh, School Reunion, she doesn't really hold any animosity for that from him. Yeah. That he did that, and I think ultimately because she did lead lead a very happy life up until a point with David, and she does have a son, and she you know she, so I don't think she has any regrets, and I think if she could do it all over again, I think she would. She might try to convince people a little earlier that <laughs> they're sliding backwards, but right. Um, no, I I really I mean it was it was nice to see. A reunion without any sort of holding any sort of grudge against him for what what he did. So I've got a headcanon of the the doctor took Susan away before she finished her, you know, Time Lord Academy. And when you graduate is when you get given your regenerations. So that's why we haven't had Susan back in another form is because she doesn't have... She hasn't been gifted those regenerations She hasn't been gifted yet. those regenerations yet. She's just a Gallifreyan. She's not a Time Lord. Hmm. How does River get her regenerations as a young young child then? I mean, I, she is an anomaly. I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the TARDIS <laughs> I gifted thought her. Yeah. She was born with a time head. She has a time head. <laughs> well, and who knows? Maybe, I don't know when they become actual Time Lords and... Maybe the doctor was a late graduate and already had his granddaughter. I don't know. I think that if you adhere to their canonicity or continuity anyway, I think the Virgin New Adventures novels are going to have a lot to say about (laughs) (laughs) about that stuff. So we'll get there eventually. When I was a young time. Of course, River wasn't actually, you know, the doctor's, you know, genes at all. So she matter because she had she was imbued with because she was born in or conceived in the vortex right so but Susan wouldn't have been we do no but we do understand <laughs> that the physiology she has the physiology of a time lord yes granted she is an but anomaly, not two hearts but she's an, an anomaly she doesn't have two hearts River doesn't but yeah, Susan you're, does you're right River doesn't have two hearts she just has the ability to regenerate yeah maybe you can't use it as precedent I don't think you can. <laughs> Because she isn't Gallifrey and she's something else. This is a fascinating topic that we're off into the weeds on. We so are. I'm going to suggest, <laughs> believe it or not, I'm going to suggest we table this wow. and save it for an episode. <laughs> well, yeah, because now you're excited because you're like, oh, now I've got another episode, episode topic. topic. You're right. <laughs> Anything else you guys want to discuss about this particular story? This is one I think I'd revisit quite a few, quite often. I don't think I'd come back to it a lot, but I could listen to it again. Kind of comfort food. Specifically for the mythos and the lore that it it lends to. Yeah. I have a feeling any time after I watch Dalek Invasion of Earth, I'll want to go listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good to see that. Be a nice follow-up. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you got coming up on the schedule, Sean? Well, coming up on the schedule for the month of June next week, some more big finish action as we go to the 10th Doctor Adventures. Uh, episodes 1.2, Time Reaver, and 1.3, Death and the Queen. That will finish off the first box set of uh, David Tennant and uh, 
Catherine Tate. I'm really having trouble with names tonight. Catherine Tate, thank you. Uh, the following week, Shada again. We'll be taking a look at the uh, new animated reconstruction of the story and uh, possibly talking a little bit about the Ian Levine animated reconstruction, comparing and contrasting if uh, our uh, own inebriated mall Santa is good to us <laughs> and uh, put something in our stocking. And then uh, if you haven't started reading, you might want to get started. Uh, Lethbridge Stewart, The Laughing Gnome, The Danger Men by Nick Walters is uh, three weeks out now, so uh, we'll be covering that. And then uh, tackling uh, the Big Finish Diary of River Song the next two weeks, which uh, is a change. I don't know if we necessarily talked about that on air, but it did get updated on the website. Uh, so we'll do the first two uh, episodes of uh, that box set, and then the following week do the second two. And that takes us into July, so lots of Big Finish on the horizon but again we are celebrating their 20th anniversary year so it's to be expected all right very good well anything else we need to do before we close this program out that's gonna do it for this time until next time i'm glenn i'm sean i'm keith cheers good night everybody be seeing you thanks for listening you have been listening to traveling the vortex doctor who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the bbc No infringement is intended or implied.